0: Thank you for downloading today's UW Alumni podcast. And today's special guest is Belinda Caniglio. Belinda's not only just a consultant; she's also a book author and a winemaker. <laughs> Belinda, how Hi, is it? how is everything?
1: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: So, come on, how did we get involved in the winemaking industry?
1: Well, it's it's something that I just wanted to do as a summer project, really. But it does go back to my grandfather's story, and he's a migrant from Italy, from the village, uh, Calabria, and. He's been operating for over 50 years in the Swan Valley, a very rustic style operation where he makes wine. But I thought this year it would be great to do a natural wine project. It's on trend. I'm all for health and wellness and low preservative wine. So I basically took it off. My own back to, to do it, to fund the project, and it's it's gone a little crazy in the last two weeks.
0: You're saying yeah, you've got a bit of a following, not only just in Perth, but in Sydney as well.
1: Yeah, the Sydney one came as a surprise to me because I, I obviously have worked nationally with my consulting business, and it seems that professionals like drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> Gee,
0: that, that's a real shame. I think my wife can agree with that. <laughs> now I want to just go back. Um, love to hear more about your journey since you're at UWA. How was your time at UWA? Was it really important to how you? life is today
1: absolutely and I think university and certainly the arts degree I mean joke as we may about arts degrees they're a really important degree as a foundation to actually get to know yourself as a person and what your interests are but not only that it's the the network that you build at university the people that you meet that really expand your horizon give you ideas to shape your career now that's that's not to say that you'll end at a three-year bachelor degree, you might go on and do additional studies like I certainly did. I think I'm a perpetual student (laughs) (laughs) with a love for learning and many different passions. So UWA certainly contributed to that foundation and my desire to get to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, it gave me the skills that I needed to actually position myself and be very strategic as it was about getting there.
0: Were you strategic in any of the guild clubs and societies that you're involved with as well?
1: I think university life is a really important part of being a student at university. And I, obviously I was working a number of different jobs, but also made time to get to know my peer network through the politics club. Uh, I did uni camp for kids, uh, the Italian club, and probably signed up for almost everything on O-Day, <laughs> being <laughs> overwhelmed. But they were the three that I yeah. was active. And
0: that's cool. And it's interesting you touch on that because recently you've actually helped out with the UW Politics Club and helping them with them wanting to work for DFAT, wasn't it? Absolutely.
1: Yes. So I... And thank you for your invitation to be part of the Careers Cafe last year, which was, I think, a politics club event. I found myself sitting at a table of recent graduates or penultimate and ultimate year students who all had the aspiration to work for foreign affairs and trade. And I, I felt like I was looking at a table of mini-me's <laughs> because I could definitely connect with that with that desire. And I, that's all I really wanted to do from when I was 16 years old. And I thought, I'm going to go to UWA. It's the best university in the state and and make myself competitive and stand out. And really, I think in Western Australia, we tend to be a little removed, if I can say this, from the heart and soul of policymaking in Canberra and the federal public service. And nailing that selection criteria or the pitch, as it's now known, is, is rather formulaic and, I, and it can be really daunting.
0: So how do you make yourself stand out? I mean, you kind of touched on that. That's something not many people really know how to do or go about the right go about it
1: the right way well yeah so now there's so so i look at the students coming up through uwa and they're all remarkable they're all are uh, active in their communities they're all interning volunteering not only in australia but they're going abroad to do it and i mean they're working in developing countries which when i was at in my undergrad it wasn't even really an option i thought going to exchange in italy <laughs> was going to make me stand out yep. and then now, there's so much out there, and, and obviously with social media, we're so much more aware of, of what is happening in the world. These, these students are really remarkable. I heard that this year's grad program for DFAT had 2,763 applicants.
0: And for how many positions?
1: For 25 positions. Whoa. So to stand out, I always tell students that a couple who didn't make this year's cut did call me a little bit devastated uh, and I mean I always say to people there's there's more options out there yep. and and it's there's so many ways to get into DFAT and, and be strategic about getting there I mean you can take a job in another graduate program and move across yep. to, to yep. DFAT there's there's so many options you can take other work in the private sector and then move across as an experienced hire.
0: what was that uh, conversation like with the disappointed student I mean that mustn't have been easy
1: no but you know in many ways, I could see myself, and uh, the, and and I and I could really empathise with her because I remember being that that girl who who used to call my dad in tears <laughs> after a defat rejection. So I mean, having that level of empathy and then the hindsight of experience yeah. uh, to know that there is life after DFAT um, is is helpful.
0: Quite passionate about helping students quite clearly but uh you know you're always also wanting to make i guess a difference in the world and you're doing that a couple of ways i guess and with your consultancy work and also with your winemaking but also your book please tell us i'd love to hear more about the book what's it about and i guess what drove you to write your own book
1: so the book just evolved really it, it wasn't intended to be a book and i didn't set out to write a book at all I did the Camino de Santiago, which is a pilgrimage uh, in the north of Spain, an ancient pilgrimage. And I met some amazing people on that journey at a point where I really just felt like I needed time out for myself. So everyone who was asking me about the journey, I, I really didn't have words for them and I promised them a blog. The blog which started out as three articles that I was going to have published, perhaps in a travel magazine. Yeah actually turned into about forty five thousand words. So I just thought why not why not submit it and get it published? And it really tells the story. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It took a lot of weekends because I I was obviously consulting. But it it really tells the stories of the people that I met and how they inspired my own journey.
0: So how does someone have that balance because there might be a lot of people out there I'm sure that would love to write their own book but also you get your own consultancy business you're also helping out your family with the winery how do you find that balance because you know you still need time to spend time with family and friends as well like I mean how do you balance it all
1: yeah I mean at that time I just locked away the writing time and I was doing writing and consulting. I didn't think much of it, and I just really wanted to write. So I took time out when I was traveling overseas to write yeah. and in between projects and on my weekends. I obviously didn't do everything at once So the wine making That, that kind of came after and it just flowed.
0: There you go. It's uh, easy. You, make it, <laughs> you just make it sound so easy. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I just <laughs> do the things that I love every day. I think that's important.
0: What is the most interesting aspect of your career? Nothing. You've done a fair yeah. bit.
1: <laughs> I really, I think getting to DFAT was was one of the career highlights. I, I set out to do it and I really did it. And there's another day probably just before that, which was my admission day as when I was admitted to the Supreme Court of Western Australia. And it was, I'm not married yet, but <laughs> you could probably tell me. I, I'm not sure. Like I, for me, that was like a highlight it was just a day that you know will i'll always remember yeah. because i i perhaps thought during the degree i'd never get there <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> at least you're honest so just for so the law graduates out there you can do it um yeah. <laughs> and it's worth it um but it definitely com- being able to combine the legal skills with then some of my more general and generic commercial skills has given me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And, the law knowing the parameters of the law being able to operate also in a commercial environment and having that large organization experience has helped me to actually even work with some of my smaller clients and smaller projects of my own
0: how does one go about setting up their own consultancy business
1: you just have to really do it right the the first thing i'd say to anyone who's looking at doing it is start and start small start small um, With a freelance economy there's fairly low overhead so you don't have to go out and rent a space for example if you're happy to work from a cafe or to hot desk where the overheads are lower you can do that um obviously there's the admin side of things uh setting up your business day getting an abn and probably the other most important thing is to have a good website that at least where people get your business card and they're referred to yeah. a landing page, that's really your shop front.
0: But how does, I guess, getting that first client, like, I mean, where does that come from? Because I think, I guess there's a few ethical issues if people are working for a, say, a certain company mm-hmm. and they've the, com- the client they're working for, they're like, oh, just so you know, I'm gonna be setting up my own shop and that client was like, oh, well, I love working with this person. I'll go with them when they leave this organisation, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to pay half the half the price. Yeah, perhaps I don't mean, do that. There, <laughs> but there, there have to be some ethical is- issues. Absolutely, along those like, lines, yeah. yeah.
1: So I think I am really lucky. I I've I've got a really good network, and I think that that's your number one as a consultant mm. is to have a strong network. Yeah. So my first client was someone that I knew, and who was in small business. Yeah. So when I was leaving my government contract, and he invited me to to come back to WA and work with him, I I really jumped at that opportunity. And that it was a, you know, I say it's a small project, but it doesn't, just because it was small, it it doesn't mean that it was any less significant because it taught me a lot about small business and how my, it taught me in a space where I hadn't really defined what my consulting business would be or would focus on. It taught me a lot about how my big organization skills could really help a small to mid-sized business to grow. And, and do, we, oh sorry, sorry, and yeah. we rolled that out successfully. So having rolled out one project successfully, it gave me that confidence to be able to actually do other, other projects. Yeah, cool.
0: And you, you're talking about you've got a big network um, yourself, but how do you manage that network? Because it's all well and good to say, I've, I know all these people, but managing it and networking are two completely different things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard because I think – it's, it's, and I was having this conversation with someone this morning is how do you oil that network um, and how do you keep all of those relationships al- alive and it, across different states, it's a really big challenge for me because there's only sort of X number of people that you can hold close to you at any one time.
0: And it's a challenge and we've discussed this before when we um, grabbed a coffee a few months ago is also maybe clients and friends of yours that are looking for advice. Like when does it cross the line? When their advice is kind of this, you're like, "Well, this is my job, and I'm doing this for you for free." Like, I mean, where does that line? Yeah, where is that line?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think the the challenge that I always had was the people who wanted to sort of pick your brain for fifty minutes over a coffee, and you know, they maybe had an idea and they just wanted the insights without actually having a consultation. And it was a grey area. I think I remember that conversation. And I actually got the answer at a UWA alumni event. <laughs> From what, yeah, I've got, I'm going to credit her because she's a BCG consultant. He said normally what her strategy is is to set them a task. So it might be, and I've tried it out since yep. for someone who's been trying to have that one-on-one coffee without actually um, engaging me or suggesting that there's any going to be any work. Yeah. So I actually tried it out by saying your task is to listen to these podcasts. I found some great podcasts for you. Have a listen. I think it might solve your business and then come back to me with questions. So it was a great way to test how serious he was yep. and whether he was looking to pick my brain, whether he was just wanting a social catch-up or perhaps something more. Uh, and, and the really interesting thing was that he didn't actually do it or get back to me after that. So I think come from the place... The, the answer to the question is to come from a place where you're adding value to someone and mm. you don't have to necessarily have coffee with them to do that and spend an hour of your time to do that. It might just be sending them a link to something that's yep. interesting, that's relevant so that you're keeping up the connection. Yep. Uh, and then if they continue to interact with you and do their own homework, mm. then it might be a pipeline.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's some really really great advice because I know uh, there's a lot of people that do struggle with that and uh, that's some really sound advice Belinda so now we've ran out of time as we usually do with these things but I've got to end on the last question which we ask everybody is if you could share one piece of advice with a first year student on their first day at UWA what would it be?
1: For me it was don't get too bogged out in finding your passion and it's something that I in, in my 20s I everyone tells you find your passion and do that And for someone like myself, I have, and from what you've heard today, you can see that I'm passionate about so many things. And I spent a lot of time in my 20s trying to find one thing where there was not ever, and there will not probably ever be just one thing for me. It's project work for me. And I like the fact that In my consulting, I get to work on different projects, I get to work across different industries and it was something I also loved about litigation and dispute resolution because you would open a case and and close a case. So to students, what I I would say is just try different things. Uh, Get out there, start on a project, start on a job, start your business. Just do it because you'll soon learn whether it's something you love because you'll either keep running with it mm-hmm. or you'll lose interest. And if yep. you lose interest, well, you're pretty certain that it's not your passion. Or if you take a job that you're not enjoying and you don't wake up every day energized to get to, you'll know that it's that you're not in the right place. Yeah. But if you don't start, You've got you know ten years or past, and you'll never know.
0: Exactly, I think inaction by for a lot of people, uh, is probably their biggest downfall at times, isn't it? So, so but, yeah, don't be afraid yeah. to just get out there. Oh, beautiful. All uh, right, well, linda thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Now we have to catch up with you later in the year because we want to see how the book launch goes and how the wine launch goes as well. So, uh, really appreciate your time, but we'll definitely touch base later in the year.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Josh.
0: Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Did you know that UWA has alumni networks in Perth, Albany, Canberra, New York, the United Kingdom, Hong Kong, Malaysia, and Singapore? You can become an active alumni member and stay connected to your UWA community by visiting the Love and I